0: Todd's Road Campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Do you have anybody in your life that you just wish you could take control of their lives and say, if you will do exactly what I say, your life will be better? That's the most laughter I've gotten on y'all in a while, because you know it's true, right? Everybody's got that somebody. The problem is sometimes that somebody is you, right? You. My, fa- my family had that for me as a child. At every turn, I did the thing I shouldn't have done. And I know my parents now in hindsight thought, if you would just listen to us, things would be better. If you would just do what we told you to, things would be better. Y- y'all realize that I am hard-headed even at my current age. As a child, it was even harder. I was stubborn, and I was going to do whatever I wanted Growing up, I tend to think my father was stern, and and now I look back and I go, this man is a saint who wore out his knees trying to pray me into some kind of good situation. I'm the one who who started sealing his mother's cigarettes and beer in fourth grade and going out in the woods and having fun with my friends. I was the one who, every time I got ungrounded, would get regrounded. For a period from, oh, fifth grade through about tenth grade, I could go two places, the church and school, And even with school, they started, my dad started watching with binoculars to make sure we were like getting off the bus at the right place and coming to the house. There was a rogue group of women who all watched out their windows to make sure we weren't smoking at the pool anymore. And then I got older. I went to college, got uh, to a place that was not the college for me. Uh, 600 people in my calculus class, 900 people in my psychology class. I was living in the honors dorm, even though I wasn't an honor student because my Roommate I picked from home was there. This roommate who I never should have lived with. He, that my parents said, maybe you don't want to live in this dorm with him. He's going to get up for practice every morning at 5 o'clock. You don't want to live there. Well, at least I know him. I'm going to live there. I was uh, drinking a good bit there. I was skipping classes because they made no sense. I was not doing projects because they didn't... Uh, I didn't understand calculus for engineers. The highest thing I took in high school was like algebra 2. And somehow I'm taking these classes and was a mess. I drop out of school, move home, and really just kind of crash on mom and dad's couch for a while until finally they're like, okay, we love you, but you got to do something. <laughs> you got to get a job, you got to go to school, you got to do one thing or another. And we think it, it would help you to, to kind of get some direction in your life to, to get a job. And so I meandered through part-time after part-time job going from grocery store to the uh, home goods store to the gun shop to, to all these places and. Never settled down. I, I can still hear my mother saying, what if you did this? What if you did that? And it wasn't until I was in my late 20s and, and this uh, new youth pastor came to our home church and, and, and they had told him, like, Chad has been involved in the youth group in times past, he's done all these things, and now he's not doing anything. And this wise, calm man just loved me. He didn't try to fix me. He didn't uh, tell me that I needed to grow up and be a man because I heard that refrain from people in my church and it broke me. They thought they could fix me by telling me what to do. And this man, Chad, just loved me and walked with me and uh, didn't shame me when I kept making mistakes and kept uh, messing up. And I think he loved me into wisdom and maturity. Uh, people talk about kids being 18 and being adults. I'm like, I wasn't an adult until I was about 29. And even then, it was a, a hairy deal. I know my parents wanted to be able to just take my life and fix it for me. But they couldn't. And even if they could, I'm not sure they would. Because then what is that but, but being controlled? God could absolutely take hold of somebody's life and make it be something, Right? God, in God's full power, philosophically, could grab hold of our broken, messed up lives and go, do this and things will be well. And we want him to do it so often, don't we? And we we bring our prayers before him saying, uh, fix this. The problem is so often God doesn't. God does not... uh, does not aggressively force us into the best for our lives. He offers his grace time and time and time again, but does not force us to receive, on, receive it and act on it. God is not coercive in his grace and his, his drawing us toward him. He is compassionate and slow to anger and merciful and tender, but he is not ever coercive. Much like our parents want us to be wise, God desires us to be wise and to to live in ways that are gonna help us thrive and flourish, but he loves us enough not to make us do it. For if God is making us comply to his, his grand plan and his grand designs, we're nothing but puppets living out the great puppet show. And so God loved us enough to let us make our own decisions, to, to respond to His grace and do this divine dance where we hear and we respond, where we go and we follow. He loves us enough to let us. And this is the words of the prophets, or of, of the, uh, the wise teacher, spoken through uh, the wise woman today in the book of Proverbs, saying, I am standing out there telling you the things that will make your life better. I'm going to teach you the ways of wisdom. This thing that we've talked about being the intersection of knowledge and experience and revelation. And Betty Jo, or not Betty Jo, uh, Betty Hornback followed up with common sense should also be part of wisdom. So we're, we're adding an amended definition. The, the, the lady wisdom is saying, I'm giving you more knowledge. I'm giving you the life experience. These proverbs to help you understand how to, to delight in God and to dwell in a life that is good and flourishing. And you still don't listen. I'm going to keep shouting it, and you're going to keep not listening. And here's the problem if you don't. At some point, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your actions. I have had lots of consequences of my actions over the years to deal with. I'm sure many of you do, or you had that sibling who was the one who got in trouble even though you were perfect, or had that kid who has giving you a super hard time even though they're supposed to be grown up now. You know the people who are living the consequences of their actions even though wisdom has been spoken into them. God loves us enough not to force us into obedience. He offers us the, the kind of natural law. Even the Psalms say that you know, the heavens and the earth, the sun and the moon declare God's goodness. He offers us the knowledge that we receive through education and through other people. He he reveals himself in our life experiences and sometimes even in those promptings that are common sense, right, Betty? And then our job is to respond. The, The book of Proverbs actually tells us what it's trying to do. The purpose is to teach wisdom and discipline to help one understand wise sayings. They provide insightful instruction which is righteous, just, and full of integrity. They have made the the naive mature, the young knowledgeable and discreet. The wise hear them and grow in wisdom. Those with understanding gain guidance. They help one understand proverbs and difficult sayings, the words of the wise and their puzzles. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And pretty quickly, it jumps right into Lady Wisdom in today's reading, telling us, it's right in front of your face. It's like, it's like uh, she is standing on the street corner shouting at us, telling us how life can be good. And when I say life can be good, I don't mean healthy, wealthy, and wise. I mean a life where we can, can know the security of our relationship with God, a life where we know that uh, we, are, we are living within uh, his laws and his love, in a life where we're doing this divine dance in a way that brings us to flourishing. Jesus uh, made sure to make clear when he comes on the scene that flourishing does not look like the prosperity gospel. Flourishing for us still looks like taking up a cross and bearing it. Flourishing for us actually looks like denying a lot of our impulses, those things that uh, we, we look and say are good. Flourishing doesn't look like flourishing in the world's eyes. Often it looks antithetical to what the world says is flourishing. The world will tell us we need to be rich, and often the gospel says, no, we need to care for others with our our finances. It'll say uh, we need, the world will say we need to raise ourselves up by our bootstraps, and and the gospel says that we actually need to trust in the community of faith to, to bring us before God and to lift up our arms when we can't lift them. The gospel says that we We need to lower ourselves and lift up the lowly. And it's all through this divine dance where we hear God's wisdom and we learn and we grow, where we grow in knowledge and we listen and we are transformed. It would be easier, it would be so much easier if God just willed us into um, what would be the best for us and yet That'd be such a shallow faith. A, it's a problem because we actually, we use the words as if God is doing this all the time. We, we'll hear about someone whose life is messed up and we'll go, but for the grace of God, that is me. But the problem with that is that says that God's grace is not available to that person. We'll say, oh, I was almost in that car wreck, but God kept me from that. But then that means that God didn't keep everybody else from those and chose for them to be in the car wreck. My friends did this, but I got away with it, thanks be to God. Something as silly as my football team won. God God is wholly transcendent and able to do uh, things that we can't even wrestle with philosophically, and yet he is eminently present, speaking in a still small voice. And inviting us to journey with him, to respond to all those sources of wisdom and knowledge, and to grow in the love of him, it means for us that the life of the church isn't a, a passive receiving. It isn't a show up and get and go and, and you're good. It's the work of growing and learning and seeking reproof. We, we've got these covenant groups that get together and, and actually ask questions about the state of our souls and how we're growing and doing our good and evil and, and participating in the means of grace. It's, it's letting iron sharpen iron. It's letting the Holy Spirit speak to us. It's letting uh, God's grace and the means of grace transform us. God loves us enough to stand on the street and shout at us the good things we ought to do. The uh, ways in which he loves us, the ways in which we might grow in wisdom, but he loves us enough not to force us into it. The series on the wisdom literature is a bit more daunting than I thought it was when I first uh, mapped it out from the lectionary. The first week of it, Tom comes up to me after, afterwards and he goes, "Oh, I never preached on that text in my whole ministry." <laughs> we don 't love the idea that at some point. Uh, God is just going to let us be, right? That God will continue to offer us his grace, but he is going to let us live in our mess. And so what would it look like if we actually sought wisdom and understanding, sought to grow in love and, uh, and danced with him in the days ahead? Can you begin to imagine what that might look like and, and how your life might be different and might be transformed and, and, and maybe the life of others in your life might be changed and transformed? This is the stuff that I ponder and imagine and think, what if, what if, what could our world look like if we grew in wisdom and we grew in grace and we grew in love and then we modeled that for the rest of the world? If instead of a, a dry civil religion, we were filled with the love of God? and then shared it in the world. And we became part of God's shouting again in the streets where we declared God's love to other people. In many ways, uh, y'all are leading the charge in that. Every week I look around and go, look at how this person has embodied the love of God. Look at how they've listened and grown and how they've taken these hard knocks in life and they've, they've received them as formative times and they've dealt with the consequences of their actions and And gone and cared for the world. My heart is strangely warmed when I watch you live out your faith. And and when I watch you grow in wisdom. And in many ways you pull me along with you. And I grow in grace and wisdom because of you. It's been a hard year to... Hard year? It's almost two years now, right? A year and a half we'll say. To not see each other's grace in action so often to not hear the stories of the love of God shed abroad in your heart. I know you miss seeing each other and talking and, and uh, understanding what, what is going on in one another's life and the ways in which God is, uh, is journeying with you and what this divine dance looks like for you this week. And yet part of wisdom for us is, is being safer. We're going to keep looking for ways to, to safely gather together, to hear one another's stories and to... to to grow together, as silly as it sounds, go to the picnic. If you if you don't have something in the crock pot waiting for you at home, go out to the picnic afterwards and, and find that person you haven't talked to. Hear the stories of what is going on in their lives, the ways in which God is speaking and working and acting, and ways in which they are responding. Okay. God, we thank you that you love us enough not to force us uh, into compliance with your will. And at the same time, we name how scary that is. For it's easier to think that you are making all things happen, to to brush it off and say, well, God must have a plan. It's scary when we have to, to own our part of the dance. And yet, we know that it is uh, maybe your greatest act of love that you have allowed us to be uh, to be free humans, who uh, who have our own wills and our own uh, hearts and minds, who uh, respond to your grace in different ways. Lord, help us hear afresh, Lady Wisdom. Help us uh, respond with fidelity. Help us grow in uh, knowledge and experience and in the revelation that you have given us. And give us some common sense, Lord, to go and to share that love with others. I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, wisdom embodied and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.